0: Now, here is Gary Ray.
1: Today is October 17th, 2017. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. As always, my co-host, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs. Good morning, sir.
2: Good morning, Gary. And as always, it's great to be with you.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. You know, last week, we had a program on a man. First of all, he's this president and CEO. His name is John uh, Jerome, John Jerome. I was trying to remember it by heart here. (laughs) Anyway, they had a program uh, that consists of a network of tens of thousands of uh, trained caregivers and thousands of professional uh, mental health care and service providers working together to provide a unique system of support for military members and their families. The Heroes Care Show that aired actually last week, uh, two weeks ago, yeah, last week. Uh, we're going to have another one that was actually October 10th that aired. But we're going to have another one on the 24th because this organization have, has actually developed uh, not, uh, a, a program that not only helps uh, every nonprofit organization out there to build and strengthen their community, and and that's what it's all about. You get these communities working with you, and uh, you're going to have card blanche, <laughs> believe me. All right. And uh, Bill, I know that you always have uh, some news for us. What's this about some kind of pay increase? We're we getting a pay increase.
2: Well, uh, it's been announced, Gary, at, at uh, 2018. At uh Uh, military retirees and those who receive disability checks will get, as the VA uh, has built it, uh, the biggest pay raise since 2012. Um, It's a cost-of-living increase, uh, you know, based upon uh, the Consumer Price Index, uh, which is determining this. Um, For an example, uh, they're saying that they... A retired military uh, E7 uh, with 20 years of service will receive a, a $46 a month increase. A an O5, which is in the officer ranks, would receive uh, as much as $88. And uh, those who are receiving uh, VA disability checks, 10 percent of now goes up three dollars and $58 for those. Re- receiving 100%. So um, I guess, uh, Gary, as we say, every little bit counts, and especially for our veterans uh, who uh, and retirees who depend so much on that check uh, to uh, continue our standard of living, it's nice to hear that. Yes, yeah, so when was the last one? Four years ago? Uh well normally the, there the every year but uh mm-hmm. 2% I think is uh has been the highest in uh, about two or three years uh because they've been coming up with fractions you know less than than 1% so uh so maybe uh, the conditions and situations are better and, and and as I said it's based upon the consumer price index which determines what the percentage will be
1: That's true. All right. Now, you also uh, had another article about uh, the CARE Act.
2: Uh, Yes. uh, The uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has presented a draft proposal Mm -hmm. to the uh, House and Senate uh, uh, Veterans Affairs Committee uh, to replace the current 30-day, 40-mile system with patient-provider-centric decision-making. This is so important, uh, Gary. It's it's uh, actually, the, the way that they've identified it, uh, it's the acronym CARE, C-A-R-E Act, proposed, mm-hmm. which is the Veterans Coordinated Access and Rewarding Experiences. And hopefully... Uh, what this uh, proposal will do is to meet the needs of uh, our veterans in such a way that it's easy to understand. For an example, to clarify and simplify eligibility requirements, set the framework for the VA to continue to build a high-performing network, streamline uh, clinical and administrative processes, implement new care coordination support vet- for veterans, and merge and modernize community care programs. This is so important, Gary. You know, we, we, we've got about uh, 21 million veterans across uh, the, the country. Right. And, uh, you know, the access is about 8.23 million, uh, you know, far below the difference between those two numbers. So hopefully the accessibility and the understanding for accessing the service that this uh, recommendation uh, is going to improve that.
1: Wow. All right. That's good. Very good. Also, Bill, um, let's get on with the show. And You have the honor of introducing our guest.
2: And, Gary, it is indeed an honor. Uh, Today we have uh, Commander Dennis Baker, who is currently president of the Florida Veterans Foundation. Uh, Commander Baker enlisted in in the United States Navy in 1970, served 28 years and retiring at the rank of commander, Navy commander. During his time in the Navy, he was awarded three Navy Achievement Medals, three Navy Commendation Medals and two meritorious service medals for his leadership and support of air power missions ranging from Persian Gulf earnest will missions to Middle Eastern conflicts. Uh, Commander Baker was recruited as the president of National Aviation Academy in Clearwater, Florida. Following, he served as the executive director, the executive vice president uh First Coast Technical College for 5 years state supervisor for workforce education curriculum at Florida Department of Education and then became the director of Flagler College Tallahassee Florida Commander
3: Baker welcome to the American Heroes Network Welcome sir Good morning it's a uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you and and uh, for all the good mojo you put out there uh, regarding veterans and and, uh, also the the special things like pay raises, cost-of-living allowances. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to see that little sparkle of hope ahead, and that's what we try to do at the Foundation is is provide hope. And uh, so I have to thank you all for having me on today and also thank you for all your good work and keeping, keeping it going and uh, letting people know that there are people out there that care.
1: Well, appreciate it, sir. Commander, you have a very unique program. How and when did this program, how did you get together to develop it? I think you're one of the only states out there that I know of.
3: Uh, we we actually just had uh, uh, co- Ohio come through and wanted to uh, replicate Uh, what we're doing as far as the foundation goes. And uh, we were brought into being in 2008 and uh, through Florida statute as a direct support organization for the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs. And uh, we provide support to them in many uh, different ways. Uh, And most recently, about two years ago, we received a grant uh, and we focused on doing emergency financial assistance to veterans out there who were having crises in their life and needed a hand up, and uh, to get them back on track to prevent homelessness. And um, so we've been doing a lot of a lot of that work, and uh, we actually have uh, taken that mission and and given that mission to uh, with money that we still had left in the grant. Uh, to the American Legion, and the American Legion in Florida, there are 351 posts out there. And when we were doing the uh, financial applications up here, financial aid applications, you know, we're kind of flying blind because the person's not sitting in front of us, and we can't really see, you know, what's happening. And we felt that uh, an organization like American Legion could provide the service and have the people come in to make application to them when they have financial assistance, and they would be able to see that, you know, this is somebody who's not driving up in a brand new vehicle with, you know, uh, hundred dollar pants, two hundred dollar shoes, and that they really are in need. So, you know, it's eyes, you know, boots on the ground, and out there, and and because the posts are all tied together in a network, uh, a person can't go and try and get you know, $1,000 from one post and then go across the county and get $1,000 from another post. So they can better implement that program. And um, we hope to be able to fund them every year if we get recurring legislative funding, which we've never had, by the way. We've only uh, received funding uh, through donations uh, or through, um, you know, uh, maybe one of the... uh, Political parties, you know, at the end of their run, uh, they have some campaign funds or something that they're unexpended, and and uh, we make do with some of those. But um, we're trying to be a, a more proactive role in the way we work with um, veterans. And what I mean by that is, we try to uh, we're trying to catch the veterans before they come out of the military or maybe, if that's not possible, just after they get out, to help them with their new identity because they lose their identity when they, when they get out and, um, and be able to provide the tools in a proactive manner uh, for education, jobs, and all the things, benefits, things that they'll need to know about that will help them uh, rather than catch them when they fall. We want to keep them propped up throughout their whole life Uh, post-service, after they've gotten out of the service. Um, uh, And the foundation has kind of grown to that, to where we're being more global in the state uh, to serve all areas of the state and to be the folks that uh, are able to provide direction. And uh, we're finding more and more out every day about services that are out there. And I know sometimes... Uh, there are just so many, you, you could never know all of them. But, uh, for example, we have uh, had a, a, a woman come from the crisis center in Tampa, and they now have this number that they've developed, uh, which they have the 2-1-1 uh, information that you can call and ask for services and stuff. This is going to be an 844-MYFL-VET. And if you call that number, it'll be answered in the county that you call from, and it'll be answered by a veteran. So a veteran will be talking to a veteran. And um, that's how we're trying to get connectivity and make it where it's easier for the customer, who is the veteran, to be able to get resources.
1: Mm -hmm. right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll continue when we come back. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
0: If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here
1: with our guest, Commander Dennis Baker, President of the Florida Veterans Foundation. And
4: Bill?
2: Yes, uh, Commander Baker, you know, you have the honor in the state of Florida of serving uh, what appears to be about 1.5 million veterans. It is the third largest veterans uh, population of all the states in the country. That's a task in itself. Transportation, uh, probably one of the greatest challenges. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that and uh, let our listening audience know what are you doing in the area of veterans' transportation.
3: It's been very recent uh, and as I said earlier in the show uh, this is an education for for myself and I thought I was pretty well up on uh, veterans uh, resources and you think well you know how does it how does a veteran get from the clinic to home or how does the veteran get from point A to point B uh, one, thing that we did was we uh, assisted the the disabled American veterans in Florida by donating uh, money to them uh, to help them buy vans to get uh, veterans transported to and from medical appointments. And uh, they do a a very fine job. And then it was only by accident I met a guy who was introduced uh, to me. And he says, I'm the CEO of a state organization, and a government state organization, that's called Tr- Transportation Disadvantaged. And I said, well, what do you do? <laughs> and he says, well, you know, uh, folks that are disabled, folks that are low-income, folks that are, you know, uh, without a job or, or, you know, disadvantaged in one way or another, either you know physically or economically or <clears throat> you know just don't have transportation. They provide that. and that's throughout the state transportation disadvantaged. And I said, so how about veterans? How does veterans fit in the transportation disadvantaged? And they said, well, they would fit in very well because if they are with if they're low income, they would qualify. If they're disabled, they would qualify. And if they're elderly, they would qualify. And I said, okay, so how do we connect with transportation disadvantaged? So he said, well, we have what we call a community or county uh, transportation board in every county in the state of Florida. And that board uh, is made up of different people like the Council on Aging and Elder affairs and your elder care services, if you will, uh, different places around assisted living facilities normally provide their own, but sometimes there's, there's a need there. And they said, On this board, this transportation board, we get the inputs from the different people. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and they said, There should be a county veteran service officer, which there are uh there is at least one for every county in the state of Florida and in the, some of the larger counties they have many county veteran service officers and one of those from each county is supposed to take their needs for their area and mostly the the transportation issues start when you're in a more rural area because in the in the bigger town like Tallahassee where we're at uh you know there's public transportation so you know we can give the veterans that are in need, we can give them bus passes, which can get them from here to there and to the hospital and the clinic and whatever right. uh, they need to give to the grocery store. And, uh, <clears throat> but the more rural areas, what we were looking at, and we were actually going to invest with a VFW or another veteran service organization and give them funding and say, hey, we want to help meet this need. But after speaking to Transportation Disadvantaged and knowing that if, every county veteran service officer was on the board, which they are supposed to be, and if they were feeding information to the transportation, uh, community transportation committee, that they would be able to articulate their needs of their veterans to that board, and then transportation disadvantaged, with a complement from, or supplement if you will, from uh, d- disabled American vets would ensure that the veterans' needs are met. So, without putting a dime to the program on our behalf, uh, you know, we were able to uh, start working through this, where we were able to meet this unmet need of transportation, which, you know, people rely on their neighbors to help them, or it might be, you know, a family or whatever have you. So. Uh, It was just one of those things where you say, hey, you know, we can fix this without money because it's hard to get money. And um, so that was one direction we went in uh, to do that. So it's just a matter of educating the county veteran service officers and educating the uh, county transportation boards to, hey, listen to your veterans so that we can provide for your veterans at no cost to the county. So that's kind of how we're fixing that problem it's just a matter of education. And, um, you know, we we find that there's so many nonprofits out there and so many people trying to do things that we never talk to one another or we never kind of put it together to where we bring solution to an issue.
2: Well, you know, that's amazing simply because uh, there are so many gaps in services, transportation being one for veterans, that you know, when you speak to politicians and you're talking about uh, services to veterans, they say, well, you know, the federal uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is responsible for that. Why can't they take care of it? Yes, it's it's their responsibility, but it's so much there to be done. And in, in, in a state like Florida, very large state uh, geographically, uh, uh, 1.5 million veterans, the great majority of our veterans who are serving today are coming from the rural and the remote areas when they return to home and community. This is one of the major challenges that they have in being able to get medical services. And, you know, the DAV does an outstanding job. I'm a member, life, a member of the DAV. I've been the state commander here in, in Maryland. Um, You know, even there's some challenges there because everyone who needs transportation, they can't always assist. For an example, a person who is chair-bound, it may be less than 100%. And if that individual can't access the VA's vehicle that they've donated, uh, I mean the DAV's vehicle that they've donated to the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs uh, Hospital, the VAMC, they can't support them so uh, that is a major major kind of uh access for veterans with the transportation
3: right yeah it's uh it, it's difficult but you know uh you just have to get everybody on on board and and collective effort and and i uh you know sometimes and and sometimes you have to hear guys out there that are just bitter and it's like you know this can't be done or nobody helps or nobody you know and if there's when we, i used to get calls from folks who say hey you know we uh can you help me and we don't you know pay for mechanical fixes of vehicles because it would eat up so much money so quickly we'd be wouldn't be able to help a lot of folks and uh <clears throat> you know, well you don't help veterans Yeah, we do you know <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's just uh so.
2: Well, you know, uh, uh, the greatest void in the, in the veterans community, and we get a chance to say this almost every show, is information, the void of information. If you don't know how to navigate the system, uh, it's difficult because you, you don't know what you don't know. But when this kind of information is available, and, you know, I, I see the the foundation uh, that you are heading up is a a major outreach and advocacy uh, uh, outlet to get information to make these kinds of things known, which probably many of the uh, veteran service organizations should be doing. That, but the mere fact that you're there and you can do this is 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 tremendous.
3: Yeah, we and and the other thing that we've done along the lines of what you're saying is. Uh, what we've changed is we have a district director for eight districts in the state of Florida. And so we went to the uh, Florida representatives and senators, uh, the ones that were military veterans, uh, that are legislators. And we said, Hey, how would you like to be on our board? How would you like to have a, you know, we have one point, almost 1.7 million veterans and, and, you know, if you include all the families and stuff, you know, that's like four and a half million people. So my, my bid to asking these guys, would you like to be a member at large of our board, will give you an automatic, you know, constituency of four and a half million people, 1.7 of them being veterans. And they're like, wow. And, uh, you know, and so we also have those folks now that are on our team, and and they – you know run all the power brokers that are in the counties and stuff the guys that want to talk to the politicians <clears> if they need something done and the politicians are there saying hey let me tell you about this 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 opportunity here and they start driving people to us and and just like you said the it's the information and what you're doing is incredible as far as being able to pass information and hopefully somebody listening to this will say hey this is how we can do transportation in our state. You know, this would really work well. And, right. uh, and you know, the next, you know, and um, it, it, the same holds true for just watching, t- standing back and looking at it from a macro view, you know, also have other ideas about how we do homeless veteran stand downs. And the way that I've seen them done and the way that they can be done uh, without wasting a lot of resources. And, um, you know, uh, have you guys had many folks on radio talk about homeless stand-downs and how they do them?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, uh, definitely.
3: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we have I've watched a lot of people giving in-kind donations and, you know, money donations and a lot of volunteers because they want to do the right thing. And we're serving people sometimes that don't have a need. And my view is, is uh, or our view is, you know, we should be serving people every day, not just two days a year. You know, That's correct. Just to have a big song fest where we all stand around. If you want to bring awareness to it, let's do a day of service where we go out and find anybody that may be homeless and pick right. them up, take them to lunch. Uh, you know, they have a toothache, take them to the dentist that day. And, um, you know, there should be attention to it, but we've, we've actually in many, many areas of the state have eradicated, uh, homelessness. Uh, I think there's two homeless that we have in Tallahassee and we just can't get them out of the woods, if you will. We had a, uh, a young man that had PTSD and, uh, and he found his time paying back or paying forward or just to distract him from his PTSD. He has single-handedly gone into the woods and gotten 43 people out and into homes. And, uh, you know, he's our hometown hero, if you will. But just that example is is amazing that uh, he made a difference in all their lives, you know. And uh, if you ever saw the guy, you'd say, but he knows how to communicate with them if i if I walked down you know in a shirt and tie down to the woods to go talk to the two homeless guys down there they'd be afraid I wanted something or was going right. you know. to so it you have to have your components out there that are boots on the ground that are going to talk talk the uh, talk the language even though i I think I can talk it because I used to be an enlisted band for ten years, and I can you know and they're not all uh enlisted guys that are homeless I mean, we have a guy that it was a dentist in World War II that needed emergency financial assistance. And you'd think this guy was a dentist. he came come out, he was a dentist. But he just, you know, some people are starting to outlive their money now. And that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on a variety channel. And we'll be right back.
4: Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter, as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at SponsorInfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com.
0: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back.
1: We're here with our guest, Commander Dennis Baker, President of the Florida Veterans Foundation. And, sir, I hate to back up a little bit, but. Um, are you having? There's a lot of organizations out there, and in fact, uh, last month we had probably three women organizations. How are you finding that a problem when it comes to benefits? Um, you know, these a lot of these uh, veteran women are coming out, and they can't. There's no resources for them, especially when it comes to housing.
3: The um, we don't look at uh, when a veteran comes to us, and we and we get. Quite quite a few, uh, as we've done the emergency financial assistance, and um, I know, I know that the last couple of years we've had uh, women veterans conferences in Florida, and um, they've done very well. And Mm -hmm. in fact, on our board, we just uh, were actually trying to get uh, a brigadier general from the National Guard. Who has a great record, and she was a speaker at the last uh, Women's Veterans Conference, uh, to be able to talk to their issues and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> we find that most of the the uh, women veterans that we deal with are uh, are you, you know we we take care of them. Uh, you know, they're they're green or they're blue. And uh, you know, Navy or Army or Marine or Air Force, Coast Guard—it uh, it doesn't make any difference. So we're kind of, uh, you know, we, we don't differentiate. You know, a veteran's a veteran. We—I know there are uh, organizations out there, and and I, and I see a lot of organizations now that uh, there are a couple that popped up that I I've, I've talked to, but. I see more organizations popping up, or money's being donated uh, to post 9/11 veterans, and I ask the question, "What about the other guys?" You know. Right. Um, and I'll give you a, a case in point, and then I'll tell you about a, a young female combat, totally 100% disabled veteran. But mm-hmm. in um, the, I received an email one day, and it was uh, regarding. Uh, a charity of uh, donation of a million dollars that went to five counties. And uh, it was given to the Red Cross to dispense to veterans who had emergency financial need in these five counties. And um, But it was only uh, ticketed for post-9-11 veterans. And <clears throat> when I received that, I sent an email back to all 138 people that were on that email because I knew there were five the five county representatives on that email. I knew there were veterans groups on that email, and anybody with any influence whatsoever uh, was on that email. And what I did, I responded, reply all. And I asked, I said, anybody who is out there representing any of the counties, the Florida Veterans Foundation would like to know if we could get a Ten thousand dollar donation from your county, and there were a couple counties there that we had given twenty thousand dollars to, uh, not to the county but to the veterans in the county, and another county that we had given thirty some thousand dollars to, and um, and then I said, you know, uh, like the Wounded Warrior Project, which is only post nine eleven. Uh, you know, you just gave a million. You just guys just got a million dollars for post nine eleven veterans, but we serve all veterans at the foundation. Uh, we don't distinguish between war, non war, you know, or anything else or, or time. Uh, it just happens to be every veteran. And I and I said I I think that post nine eleven veterans make up a much smaller contingency than the masses out there. Uh, I I don't have the figures in my head. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, somebody had mentioned one time, like only 20% of the veterans out there are post-9-11, all the rest of them are the older guys like myself. And um, and it was, uh, you know, I, I just didn't understand why the organizations only go for post-9-11. And um, we receive, we were a resource on the Wounded Warrior Project uh, webpage for emergency financial assistance for people that needed it and I got a phone call one day from a, a young lady who was 100% combat disabled uh, from the Iraq war, and she said, I need help. And I said, well, have you called the Wounded Warrior Project? And She said, yes, but they said I had to be refused by two other uh, organizations <laughs> before they'll help me. And um, and I said, you told them you're post 9-11 and you were 100% combat disabled. She said, yes, I said, okay. And then I got to talking to her. I said, well, what exactly are you looking for? And she was getting about thirty six hundred a month, I think it was, in, in disability. And um, so I thought to myself, well, it's plenty of money to get from month to month, you know. And she says, "Well, you know, I, I need money for first month's rent, last month's rent, and a deposit of the same amount." And she, I said, "Why are you moving?" She said, "Well, I'm moving because I want to be near the hospital because of my my uh, disability." I said, "Okay." And um, so I asked her for her real estate agent's uh, name. She gave it to me. And I called the real estate agent and I said, and I said hey, uh, is there any way that you can let this young lady uh, move her, her deposit out over the period of a few months so she doesn't get hit with three times $1,700? And I said, sure, not a problem. So we were able to solve that problem without putting money towards it. Um, but I think that Uh, You know, there are more... I remember when I was in, there were a lot less... You know, we didn't have any women on the ships. Now there's a lot of women on the ships. So, uh, And on the flight line, when I had a squadron of, you know, 50 F-14s in Virginia Beach, um, you know, we had many, many uh, women in the squadron there because it was not seagoing. And we were the uh, replacement squadron there. So um, there were a lot of different needs that they had. Uh, I don't know of any organizations that don't, uh, you know, that don't uh, help. I think they're all pretty equal from everything that I've heard, as far as service to benefits for uh, women veterans.
1: No. Something else, Bill.
3: Well, Commander Baker,
2: uh, you know, uh, keeping in line with what you just mentioned, there's one issue uh, today that the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs recognizes as a problem across the country, and that's suicides. And, and again, in Florida there's a large uh, number of uh, veterans in the state And you're probably aware that uh, the uh, VA did a study back in 2012, and they concluded that uh, we were losing 22 uh, veterans a day to suicide. However, that was only 21 states that that reported uh, their information. The three largest states with the large uh, uh, veterans population, California, Texas, and Florida, did not report Uh, question how and what are the kinds of programs that uh, you're involved in now to really deal with suicides Um, i I don't know if any of the numbers that the uh, that the the u.s. department of veterans affairs uses in terms of what the the daily suicide rate is because many of these uh, deaths don't uh, get reported as suicides. Uh, uh, some of the statistics have shown that they are, are, are veterans in the age range of 50 to uh, 65 who, uh, where the numbers are high, we just got through talking about women, their suicide rates are six times higher. Uh, than non-veteran-serving women in the population. It's a tremendous concern. How is Florida dealing with suicides and suicide prevention, suicide prevention uh, awareness?
3: The, the way that uh, we have... Uh, we deal with trying to solve... Veterans issues that they have and make it easier for them and try to be there when they have when they when they are reaching out and they and you can see that they've got a problem uh, is when we you know jump into action if you will uh, the last week we had a meeting with a mental health uh, crisis person out of Tampa as I mentioned earlier and she had come down uh, from She had come up from Tampa to to uh, Tallahassee and went in front of a committee to talk specifically about uh, being able to be reached and that 's an important thing it 's not you know you don 't dial a number and they put you on hold or whatever you You have a veteran that answers that can talk to you uh, they She actually had and she might be a good person for you to interview one day on your radio network. Um, to the point where uh in front of her committee that she had talked to <clears throat> to the point where a guy was going to go hang himself and uh to where the guy just talked him away and and the veteran said that you know I just laid my put my rope down you know uh things like that to be there for them uh, I know there's lots of different things like guys with PTSD we can get them hyper, hyperbaric oxygen therapy and and then you know the big opioid uh discussion that's going on now and how right. <clears throat> how that's happening and it just drives them more into a hole i'm hoping that with all the attention to the opioids now and and uh and curbing uh the use thereof or helping those guys rather than just give them drugs uh you know through uh, there's some holistic uh Stuff they're doing with you know equine therapy, dog therapy, uh, the VFW is uh, has got a program that they've got coming up for pet therapy. There's uh, one of our representatives in Florida uh, has a program uh, for guys that are that are suffering to have equine therapy with horses and acupuncture and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of attention to it in our legislature talking about it. Uh, however. If we're not talking to the veterans and and saying, how can we help you? you know, tell us how we can help you and, and let them know we're there for you. Uh, it's just being able to talk to them and not let them go hide in the corner somewhere and talk to themselves. Um, so it's you know it's you know it's uh, the art of communication, if you will, and that we we are genuine in our approach, and we truly sincerely want to help you. And have them have hope in their heart that there is a bright future ahead. Um, you know, I uh, you know know that every day that there's attention put to this throughout the state, and like last week gave me great you know great hope, and the lady who had who had come up um, and and talked to us about uh, crisis hotline, and that. You're going to talk to somebody in your county. So if somebody needs to show up on the spot, and there you're calling the one eight four four number, my my FL vet, that it's going to be answered in your county, and there's going to be somebody there that can come talk to you uh, from the crisis center, and uh, you know, in that regard, that's that's I'm I'm going to say that that's all I think you can do. Uh, there are folks that don't want to be helped, and just like. Being miserable, you know, not many, but there's some out there I, I right. run into once in a while. It's like, leave me alone. I want to be miserable. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, hey, let's look at it. No, I want to be miserable. Okay, fine. You know, <laughs> and, um, you find that in civilian life, in civilians, non-vets, um, you know, the same thing. They, they're not happy yeah. unless they're miserable.
2: Correct. So, well, well, you know, uh, I, I just like to, you know, kind of, i uh, just add this at the end here. It, it is a concern, and it's going to continue to be a concern. And I think, and this is a rhetorical question that I often ask. When we send our men and women to serve in combat, and they come back to us in many uh, instances not the same way, than when we sent them away in, in preparing for war. But the question is, rhetorically, what is the cost of war in terms of human capital? And I think with this issue that we're talking about with suicides is one of those costs that we must recognize that we have to deal with.
3: Yes, absolutely. That's
1: uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your leadership roles? I know we're, we're getting short on time, so let's get the stuff in that, that we want to make sure uh, it's important enough to, for them to listen to it.
3: We, and for the benefit of anybody out there who's thinking about a foundation, uh, I welcome them with open arms to, to share the, the growth that I've uh, experienced in just having a broader view and having Great connectivity of a network throughout the state where you can touch every veteran in every area on every farm and every pasture. Uh, you know, those that, that don't normally get the communication. But when, when you're talking, uh, we have the Florida Veterans Council, and that Florida Veterans Council is made up of, you know, the VFW, American Legion, uh, Military Red Purple Heart, Disabled American Vets, uh, uh, Marine Corps League and uh, and a list goes on of uh, congressionally mandated uh, veteran service organizations. They comprise a Florida Veterans Council. And when I... First time I attended the council meeting, it was like, okay. And then I saw there is such a wealth of information here, and there's so many different viewpoints, and <clears throat> they cover the whole state. So in order for us to get our word out we kind of jumped on there and said, hey, we'll help you. Uh, Let's all pull together and let's take our top three or top four priority issues to the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs and have those guys support us in an effort with the legislative session to get what we want. And, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, a recurring ask of, of monies that we can, you know, use to prop up programs that, may not get the help they need, or mostly it could be uh, <clears throat> given uh, disabled vets uh, and their surviving spouses if the veteran passes away, tax uh, ba- tax breaks, uh, or maybe education breaks for their children. Um, you know, uh, I never thought that veterans got money from our lottery, but I got a readout from uh, somebody who knew. And, yes, we do have money that comes from the lottery. It's not just to go into the universities and colleges, but the veterans get it in some way, shape, or form, and and we have all of those numbers. So it's just getting out there and connecting and just asking the questions. But back on the leadership role, uh, with the Florida Veterans Council, it's a sharing of common interests. That we're all about veterans and you know if the foundation which we're going to be like the conduit or the broker if you will if we get uh funding this year through the through the legislative process um you know we function right now at 95% of what we uh ha- get in 95% goes tr- to the veterans and that's pretty good and i'm hoping that it's going to be 100% if it all works out after this session 100% of what the foundation gets goes to, goes to veterans but the we find that when we sit down and we all talk in a room together, the representatives from every uh, veteran service organization, and we say we all went in different directions last year and nobody got anything done. Let's do this as one unified, one effort, and and we're you know we're led by this constituency of 1.7 million, and counting all of them with their families, about four and a half million you know, let's carry this charge and and say if you care about veterans, you're going to support all of these folks because we have 67 counties, and if you think, and just American Legion alone has 351 uh, posts, how many posts is that per (laughs) county? Quite a few. And uh, so people are posted everywhere throughout, veteran, veteran, veteran. Uh, Just before I got on this call this morning, I'd come from, we have a brand new national cemetery uh, in Tallahassee, and they did the dedication today. And it was nice to go out there and see every shape make and model, and you know from World War II all the way up to present time, of uh, veterans out there. Uh, there are a lot of we, we're, you know, the younger veterans aren't joining in the way the older guys do. And uh, maybe it's the aging process. Maybe they'll come along after they finish their civilian jobs and their careers and they want to join something, and then they'll join the VFW or the American Legion. But uh, that's a whole other discussion of getting the younger veterans involved in going forward. I know for the Military Officers Association of America, the average age of a member is like 72 years old. And um, I don't know what it is for the other organizations. I just happened to be running that one for a little bit a couple of years ago, and I knew that that was the average age. But um, it's us uh, promising and working with and demonstrating to the veteran service organizations, the Florida Veterans Council, that when we get something, it goes to them, and that we're supporting them because they support veterans. So we're actually walking the walk, not just talking the talk. And I'm very proud that we have, there's only, in, in December 31st, there will only be two paid positions on our foundation, only two paid. And um, and we have three uh, VA work studies that, that have come from FSU and FAMU and Flagler College. And um, they get paid by the VA, so they're doing the work of veterans up here. And they're veterans. And then we have uh, a senior citizen, uh, senior worker, they call it the AARP, pays for. So we try to be very ingenious about the hiring. We don't want overhead. F D V A the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs, pays for our spaces up here with them. They pay for our printing. They pay for, uh, you know, a lot of things. They, they don't pay for our, our salaries, our meek salary, if you will. Um, but uh we try to be as ingenious as we can and, and to walk the walk so that people will subscribe to what we're doing. And now, right. we, now we have the uh, support of uh, an, an admiral and a couple of generals also and with some senior enlisted guys that are leading the charge for us on our board.
1: All right. All right. Well, Dennis, we only have a couple seconds left, and I'd like to um, say thanks a lot for being on the American Heroes Network radio and hope to have you back sometime.
3: I'd love to do that. I really would.
1: All right. I want to thank all our listeners and supporters, and remember, we spotlight and promote. The best available information of interest to america's veterans and their families anytime anywhere and on any mobile device i'm gary ray along with my co-host bill and our guest commander dennis baker thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next week be safe out there
0: thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of american heroes network Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.